Section 45 of Happy Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anastasia Saloha. Happy Days by A. A. Mune. The Literary Life. The scene is the editor's room in the office of the clerk. Two walls of the room are completely hidden from floor to ceiling by magnificently bound books. The third wall at the back is hidden by boxes of immensely expensive cigars. The windows, of course, are in the fourth wall, which, however, need not be described, as it is never quite practicable on the stage. The floor of this apartment is chastely covered with rugs shot by the editor in his travels, or in the Tottenheim Court Road, or in some cases presented by admiring readers from abroad. The furniture is both elegant and commodious. William Smith, editor, comes in. He is superbly dressed in a fur coat and an expensive cigar. There is a blue pencil behind his ear and a sheaf of what we call in the profession typewritten manuscripts under his arm. He sits down at his desk and pulls the telephone towards him. At the telephone. Hello, is it you, Jones? Yes, it's me. Just come up a moment. Puts down telephone and begins to open his letters. Enter Jones, his favorite sub-editor. He is dressed quite commonly and is covered with ink. He salutes respectfully as he comes into the room. Good afternoon, Chief. Good afternoon. Have a cigar? Thank you, Chief. Have you anything to tell me? The circulation is going up, Chief. It was three million and eight last week. How often have I told you not to call me Chief except when there are ladies present? Why can't you do what you are told? Sorry, sir, but the fact is, there are ladies present. Fingering his moustache. Show them up. Who are they? There is only one. She says she is the lady who has been writing our anonymous secrets of the Boudoir series, which has made such a sensation. I thought you told me you wrote those. I did. Then why? I mean, I did tell you. The truth is, they came in anonymously, and I thought they were more likely to be accepted if I said I had written them. Forgive me, Chief, but it was for the paper's sake. There were one or two peculiarities of style I had to alter. She had a way of... How many checks for them have you accepted for the paper's sake? Eight. For a thousand pounds each. With tears in his eyes. If your mother were to hear of this... Ah, chief, I never had a mother. Slightly put out, but recovering himself quickly. What would your father say if... Alas, I have no relations. I was a foundling. In that case, I shall certainly tell the master of your workhouse. To think that there should be a thief in this office. Chief, chief, I am not so wild as that. I have carefully kept all the checks in an old stocking and... Do you wear stockings? When I bicycle. And as soon as the contributor comes forward... Stretching out his hand and grasping that of John's. My dear boy, forgive me. 
you have been hasty, perhaps, but zealous. In any case, your honesty is above suspicion. Leave me now. I have much to think of. Rests his hand on his hands, then dreamily. You have never seen your father. For thirty years I have not seen my wife. Ah, Arabella. Yes, sir. Rings bell. She would sleep her infinities. Week we wrote. She left me. I have never seen her again. Did you say she split her infinities? Yes, that was what led to our separation. Why? Nothing, only... It's very odd, I wonder. Enter, boy. Did you ring, sir? No, but you can show the lady up. Exit, boy. You'd better clear out, Jones. I'll explain to her about the money. Right you are, sir. Exit. Smith leans back in his chair and stares in front of him. To himself. Arabella. Enter, boy, followed by a stylish-dressed lady of middle age. Mrs. Robinson. Exit. Mrs. Robinson stops short in the middle of the room and stares at the editor, then staggers and drops on to the sofa. Arabella? William? They fall into each other's arms. I had begun to almost despair. Smith wins. Almost to despair, I mean, darling. No, no, dear, you were right. How sweet of you to think so, William. Yes, yes, it's the least I can say. I have been very lonely without you, dear. And now what shall we do? Shall we get married again quietly? Wouldn't that be bigamy? I think not, but I'll ask the printer's reader. He knows everything. You see, there will be such a word to explain otherwise. Dear, can you afford to marry? Well, my salary as editor is only twenty thousand a year, but I do a little reviewing for other papers. And I have nothing. How can I come to you without even a true sale? Yes, that's true. By Jove, though, you have got something. You have eight thousand pounds. We owe you that for your articles. With a return to his professional manner. Did I tell you how greatly we all appreciated them? Goes to telephone. Is that you, Jones? Just come here a moment. To Arabella. Jones is my sub-editor. He is keeping your money for you. Enter Jones. Producing an old stocking. I've just been around to my rooms to get that money. Sees Arabella. Oh, I beg your pardon. Waving an introduction. Mrs. Smith, my wife. This is our sub-editor, dear Mr. Jones. Arabella puts her hand to her heart and seems about to faint. Why? What's the matter? Where did you get that stocking? It's one he wears when he goes bicycling. No, I misled you this afternoon, Chief. This stocking was all the luggage I had when I first entered the Wellington workhouse. 
throwing herself into his arms. My son, this is your father, William, our boy. Shaking hands with John's. How are you? I say, Arabella, then that was one of my stockings. To her boy. When I saw you on the stairs, you seemed to dimly remind me. To remind you dimly, mother. No, my boy, in future nothing but split infinities will appear in our paper. Please remember that. I will endeavor to always remember it, dead. Curtain End of section 45 The Literary Life